you found a message that was delivered at Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We are praying the time you invest hearing God's Word encourages you in your walk with Jesus and inspires you to share Him with others. If you want to learn more about us or send us a prayer request, visit our website, livingstreamscc.org. Thank you for listening. Whoever came up with sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me was wrong. (laughs) Weren't they? You know? So who's interested in a little wisdom for your words uh, this morning? If you are, then the book of Proverbs is a really great place to go to to find some. There are over 150 verses in the book of Proverbs that relate to our words or or the tongue. And so that's like 16%. Of the whole book, it's about that. And I had I had a time trying to whittle it down to just a few, uh, so that I could share with you this morning. Uh, so if I don't cover your favorite, uh, write it down on one of those three by five cards and make sure you give it to me because I will put it to good use in my life. I promise you, I will. Now, did you find a tube of toothpaste when you came in on your seat this morning? You should have all that. I'm going to teach you a, a lesson. Um, uh, uh, about words, uh, you know, and it's it's a little bit deeper than you know. If it if what comes out doesn't sound good, at least it'll smell good. I'm gonna, okay, that's not the lesson. All right, um, so uh, you need to take that home with you because it's going to be a reminder that we need to use wisdom for our words. Now I've got a little bit bigger tube up here, tube of toothpaste, same same brand, maybe even the same same flavor. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to Take this tube of toothpaste and I'm going to squeeze out all of this paste up here on this piece of cardboard. Notice I'm making a mess, but it's going to be easily cleaned up by throwing this cardboard away. So did you also know that when you squeeze a tube of toothpaste, you're supposed to do it from the bottom if you're not married yet and you're going to be married yet, you might want to keep that in mind because that'll. Some of you have that fight, don't you? All right, so now I, I'm going to need a, a volunteer to help me. So I thought I would just ask my sister Amy to come up because, you know, come on, come on. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, yeah, come on up here, Amy. We'll get back at you a little bit for, you know, just. So I've got this toothpaste here. It's kind of a mess. And I need you to help me clean it up. So what I want you to do is I want you to take this tube of toothpaste and put the paste back in the tube. I felt like this was coming. You knew you knew this. Do you talk to Lori? No. No, okay. You, can, can I go talk to her now? No. <laughs> Do I do I get to use anything no, besides my No, no, you can't. And I have to do it. You can try. I, can't, I don't. I can't decline. You can decline if you want. Yeah. I'll do it for you. <laughs> I'll try. That's not getting in in the tube. It's not. Some of it did. <laughs> I don't think. Let's just stop. Just, 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 yeah, it's not. It's a, it's a bigger mess now. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for trying, though. 
appreciate it. You've cleaned up a lot of my messes before. I figured that you could help me with this one. But no, why not? It's impossible, isn't it? It's impossible to get the words back in your mouth once they've come out, just like it's impossible to get toothpaste back in the tube once it has come out. All we've got there is a mess to clean up, right? That's how it is. Now, a lot of words are spoken every Every day, you know, uh, some of them, they kind of just rise up in the hot air and they're forgotten when they get spoken. But some of them don't rise up and don't get forgotten. Some of them go in one ear and then they stick in the mind and they start going around on this tape recorder and talking to yourself. And, you know, they're either building you up or tearing you down. Or some of them bypass the mind and they go right down to the heart and they do whatever they're going to do there. They're either going to bless or they're or they're going to curse So these words can make messes. Ramona Tucker, in in today's Christian Woman, she shares about an ordinary conversation that any one of us could have been involved in. She writes that her friend Michelle described to her this ugly situation that happened to her just just at at, an ordinary day. They they were at lunch at a restaurant, her and some of her co-workers, and and, uh, Michelle and Sharon, they go to the bathroom to freshen up their makeup before they go back to the office. And so when they're in there, they're having some small talk, and uh, it quickly goes to who is driving them crazy at the office. And so Michelle, she kind of takes off on this two-minute diatribe about how Beth is just driving her crazy. And as she is letting these details flow out, op- uh, all of a sudden, one of the stall doors opens, and guess who walks out? Beth. Red-faced and angry. And so what was this pressure relief session now it turns into this awkward mess. And the two women, they stare at each other for a moment in this embarrassed panic. And when their eyes meet, Beth runs out of the bathroom distraught. Michelle knew she couldn't take her words back. So she goes back to the office but didn't see Beth. Beth didn't come back to the office. And the next day, the rumor mill was going and they found out that Beth resigned from her job. Now, her co-workers were all kind of cheering that Beth was gone, but Michelle was feeling miserable. She wished that she would have talked to Beth instead of about Beth. And so she tried. She tried to reach out to her. She called her. She wrote her a letter of apology, but she never got any response back from Beth. Michelle says this was a very difficult lesson learned in the hardest way. And what makes matters worse is Michelle is a Christian, and as far as she knows... Beth is not. Now, I suppose that that kind of situation happens all the time, you know, in varying degrees uh, of, of messes that get made. You know, words come out and they can't come back and all you've got is this mess to clean up. So we can definitely use some wisdom for our words. We want to see how God's word can help us do that. Now, I'm going to be bouncing around in the book of Proverbs using different Proverbs to help us with that wisdom. So all of it will be on the screen, hopefully, if I didn't mess it up. So don't blame Justin. He's on PowerPoint back there. He's going to try to keep up with me. It's, it's, if it's not right, it's, it's my fault. Uh, so before we move on, let's pray and ask God to help us here. Father, we thank you for this great book of wisdom that you have given us, this book of Proverbs. And today, as we uh, think about um, the words that we use and the, the words that come out of our mouth and all the different places that they come out, uh, we know that we could grow in our 
wisdom for using our words. And so, Lord, let your word have its way in our hearts today to teach us how you would have us to live. And I need to pray, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. All right, so our first golden nugget to mine from the book of Proverbs is there's wisdom for the context of our words. So this is the where and the when for using words. The place and the time. That's context. So listen to Proverbs 25, 7b to 11. What your eyes have seen, do not hastily bring into court. For what will you do in the end when your neighbor puts you to shame? Argue your case with your neighbor himself and do not reveal another's secret. Lest he hears you bring shame upon you and your ill repute have no end. So this is some wisdom um, for when we should, for where we should use our words. So the proverb is describing a situation where you witness something or you hear something and uh, you think that a wrong has been done. And so Solomon is saying, before you go to an, go to the authorities to get this wrong righted, he's saying if you if you do that without knowing all the facts, you could be wrong yourself. And so when everyone gets involved and all the facts come out, then the person you're accusing is going to put you to shame, and you'll feel that shame of jumping to conclusions. So instead of going to someone else uh, with this wrong, you go straight to the person that you saw or heard doing it and talk to them about it first. And then, after that conversation, you don't want to go off to the side and start talking about, you know, this this entire story. Because uh, then you'll be called a gossip and nobody will want to talk to you. So Psalm is urging us two things. Don't talk behind somebody's back. And don't talk to the side of somebody. After you get the story here, don't go over here and start talking about it. So the place to use your words is face-to-face. In front of somebody. And that's the only place you can get this straight story. And then after you do that, don't go talking about it with somebody else. Now think about it. There has been so much damage done when words are used behind somebody's back or off to the side of them. So much damage done. I mean, there's rumors get, they get started. People get judged that way. P- people, reputations get destroyed when it's behind, words behind and words to the side. So the place is face to face. And it's really so easy to get caught in using your words in these other places, not utilizing this wisdom. I mean, just like Michelle there in that bathroom, she's having this conversation that quickly turns into something that she would have never said if she would have known that Beth was in the bathroom with them. If she was face to face with her, those words would have never come out of her mouth. So the place to use your words is face to face. And then when talking, when you're talking in conversation and and somebody else's story gets brought into the conversation, you don't want to be the one to tell that story or complete the story. Okay, so Proverbs 18.8 says, The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. And so that's telling us when somebody comes to us with information that needs to be whispered, okay, that that's information that we're going to want to hear. You know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to taste really good to us. It's going to be delicious 
down in here. So we're going to want to hear it. And then after we hear it, we're going to hunger for more of it. And so if we're in that situation, we just want to stop the one who is whispering. Or we want to say to them, hey, would it be all right if we go talk about this with the person that you're talking about so we can get the story straight? Because the place to use your words is face to face. Now, sometimes people will come to you and they've tasted that delicious morsel before. They've got information. A whisper has come to them and they're hungering for it. And so they're going to come to you and they're going to say, hey, tell me about this or that. Can you, can you fill me in on this or that? And really, they're just wanting the information. They're hungering for it. They just want to know. A good rule of thumb, if it's not your story, it's not your story to tell. And so the place for your words is is face to face. Listen to this, Proverbs 15.23. Everyone enjoys a fitting reply. It is wonderful to say the right thing at the right time. So timing for your words is also important. Solomon says it's wonderful to use the right words at the right time. You know, comedians... Uh, they have to think about the timing of their words all the time. Sometimes, you know, a joke depends on uh, the timing that it that it comes out. Um, you know, it's common to hear a comedian say if they have a bad night, you know, my timing was off, you know. Well, you know what? At Living Streams, we have an aspiring young stand-up comedian here. I don't know if you knew that. His name is Josh Eager. And Josh is going to come up and he's going to give us a lesson on on timing. So Josh, here here you go. And I, is it okay if I give you this? Is it okay with you guys? <laughs> I'm pretty sure Mike said, oh my gosh, when I walked out. <laughs> he wasn't ready for this. I just want to thank Greg for this opportunity real fast. Um, I'm not going to lie. Like when he came up to me and he was like, hey, you want to tell a joke in front of everyone? I was like, this is a trap. This is a trap. <laughs> um, I thought a lot about timing uh, because that's what he was talking about, uh, timing of the joke. Uh, so I thought um, I would tell a joke. Um, <laughs> he was like, really? A joke? That's a surprise. Um, so uh, I'm going to go ahead and tell the joke. <laughs> Great transition. Um, I don't know. You guys all familiar with Culver's? You guys been to Culver's? Uh, so I actually work at a Culver's, a little background. Um, I think a lot of people are kind of confused on what a Culver's is. They're like, you know, is it like a sit-down restaurant? Uh, is it like a fast food place? Uh, to that person, I say it's really not either. Um, it's just a nursing home. That's really what it is. Um, the difference between a nursing home and a Culver's is uh, we have edible food, and uh, young people come to visit occasionally. See, I think that joke uh, relies a lot on on the like the point where I say uh, nursing home. Uh, we call that like a power word. Um, I know you guys are like really. <laughs> um, basically, when you're writing a joke, uh, there's a bunch of different rules, uh, and when you tell a joke, there's one word in the joke that basically triggers the laughter, uh, which I've identified that as nursing home. Um, 
<laughs> so if I were to like, I don't know, forget that word or, or push past it way too fast, you know, the audience might not understand the joke or they might not get it. Um, I, uh, kind of prepared a second joke as well to kind of demonstrate, uh, poor timing. Uh, but I will not be using poor timing because that also sounds like a trap to ruin my career. Um, <laughs> that's pretty much what he wanted to do. He wanted to expose me. Josh is lying about doing all this comedy stuff. Um, this morning I was a little late to church. I don't know if you guys noticed or not. Um, probably not because I snuck in during uh, Shane's little bit. Um, anyways, uh, I had one of those uh, typical Sunday morning disaster moments. Uh, I was 10 minutes early, which I'm never 10 minutes early to anything. So God was like, no, <laughs> you can't be on time today. <laughs> um, we just got our dog back from the the pound. Thank you. I was really worried about that. <laughs> Anyways, um, he just got neutered. And uh, he was a little excited this morning because I thought it was because he hadn't gone on a walk. Uh, truth is because he pooped everywhere. That's the real reason why he was so excited. I'm a tall guy. I don't really like looking at the ground. There's, I mean, it's a, it's kind of a distance. Uh, so I'm walking out to my car 10 minutes early and, uh, then I feel a little squish because the poor timing of my dog put a nice little log right in front of the door, like a landmine. And I was late to church. <laughs> That's my joke. I don't know. <laughs> I, that's all I. That's all I have. I don't know if you expected more. Thank you, everybody. Appreciate it. Thanks, Josh. I'll get you that lunch here when we, you know, get on it. <laughs> then he came to church and he had to dodge all the goose poop in the parking lot. <clears throat> so just like timing is important for comedians, timing is important for our words. Proverbs eighteen thirteen. Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. So, it, it, again, easy to jump to conclusions when we only hear part of the story. And, you know, then we go and we start talking with partial information. And, the, and so this one is speaking not only to, you know, when we speak, but when we should be listening. So when was the last time you were part of a conversation where you only got part of the story and you jumped in, you know, with only partial information and, and then you find out you really didn't know what you're talking about because you didn't have the whole story? I mean, it happens. Proverbs 25:11 says, Timely advice is lovely like golden apples in a silver basket. Do you know when it is the right time to give advice? When somebody asks for it, that's when is the right time to give it. I mean, when somebody is doing their level best, they're trying to figure out whatever it is and get it done, they don't want to hear that they're not doing it wrong or they could do it better. It would never be a good idea for me to walk into the kitchen when Lori is slaving over our dinner and go, you know what, if you use a little more sauce on that chicken, it'll come out a lot better. Because any meal with more sauce, right, will be better, in my opinion. But that would not be golden apples in a silver basket, you know, to Lori if I, if I would do that. So I don't do that, I hope. So there's all kinds of applications for this one. From driving, to mathematics, to finances, to gardening, to words. Now I am assuming that you are asking for advice since you're all still here listening to a message about wisdom for your words. So I'm going to continue to give it to you. The good, there's good timing and there's bad timing. There's the right place and the wrong place. This is all context for 
our words. And it's so important. So important. It takes wisdom to know when to speak and where to speak. Right? Amen? Now, I don't know about you, but I, myself, can use a lot of help with context. Um, because, you know, I can think of a lot more times that I have been uh, saying the wrong thing at the wrong time than I can when I'm getting it right. And so I wanted to take this opportunity just to remind us all that we have some help when it comes to context. And He indwells us. When, when we believe in Jesus, God brings His Holy Spirit and He, in, and he indwells a believer. And so he, that Holy Spirit is called the Helper. Now Jesus told the disciples in Luke chapter 12 that when they were brought before the authorities for um, preaching and they had to defend themselves to not worry about what they were going to say, not worry about how they were going to defend themselves because the Holy Spirit was going to teach them what to say. Well, he's still doing that. And not only when we're trying to defend our faith. When we're getting ready to use our words... Every conversation that we have, we need to be mindful of the Holy Spirit and include Him in on that conversation. And He will help us know how to use the right words at the right time. He will help you know when you need to be quiet with someone else's story. And He will help you know when you need to walk away from someone who's digging for information. He will help you know when that Right time is to speak. Thank God for His wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit that He has given us. Every believer here has Him on the inside of us. And we just need to stop and listen and follow what He says because He'll teach us and He'll help us with context for our words. He will also help us with content. The content for our words. Now, Proverbs is full of wisdom for what to say and how to say it. And there's two main categories. There's condemned words and there's commended words. Condemned and commended. What you shouldn't say and words that you're encouraged to say. So let's do condemned first. There's four main kinds of condemned words in Proverbs and they all have to do with honesty uh, or, or truth. And so the first one is just dishonest and lying speech. Proverbs 4.24 says, Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Proverbs 12.19 says, Truthful words stand the test of time, but lies are soon exposed. So this one we have known you know, since childhood, right? That it's not good to tell a lie. It, it's bad. And, and uh, you know, I think that we could probably all say that we know what it's like to tell a lie, to use dishonest words. There was a pastor who was walking down the street and he saw a group of boys, about, uh, about a dozen boys, they were 10 to 12 years old and they had surrounded a stray dog. And he was worried about the dog. He was worried that they were going to do something to harm him. So he walked up to the boys and said, hey guys, what are you doing? And they said, well, this stray dog, you know, we all want to take him home. But we all can't take him home, so we came up with a contest that whoever could tell the best lie would be able to take him home. And the pastor, you know, he was taken aback. He kind of stood back and says, you guys shouldn't have a contest about telling lies. Don't you know telling lies is bad? It's a sin against God. And then he launched into this ten-minute sermon on lying. At the end of it, he finished up with saying, you know what, when I was your age, I never told a lie. And it was just silent. And the boys were sitting there thinking. And then the smallest one finally just sighed. He said, all right, give him the dog. 
<laughs> Josh! <laughs> I don't know what the power word is in there. Maybe it's pastor. <clears throat> None of us is immune to dishonest speech. 28% of Americans say they would lie to keep their jobs. So it's just among us. It's as old as the Garden of Eden, isn't it? So that's dishonest and lying speech. Perjury is another form of condemned speech in uh, Proverbs. And it adds a different dynamic to dishonesty. Proverbs 14.25 says, A truthful witness saves lives, but a false witness is a traitor. And so, you know, there may be times when we're called into to a court of law and we're, we're called on to be a witness in whatever case is being tried. We may be called to be a character witness for, for somebody. Um, but you know what? It doesn't always have to happen in a court of law. It just has to be a situation where the truth is what's important. And so we may be called on to be a witness. And so there may be this temptation to protect the guilty because of the relationship that we have with them. And we don't want to lose that relationship or we're afraid of what might happen if we tell the truth. So being honest, you know, just in normal everyday situations, that's important. But being honest when it's when you're in a situation where it's all about you being honest, that's even more important. Because justice is at stake. And you, you want to give a true testimony so that someone is not harmed, that someone doesn't uh, get justice. So perjury. Slander. That's another uh, type of condemned speech. Proverbs 11.9 says, With his mouth the godless man would destroy his neighbor, but by knowledge the righteous are delivered. So slander is the act of spreading false information about someone to try and uh, damage their reputation or uh, destroy them. We see it all the time in politics. I mean, it wasn't that long ago where they were doing confirmation hearings for Judge Kavanaugh and there was this incredible uh, slander going on about him to try to demean his character and destroy him as a person. Um, But it was all lies. It was all just made up. So it's hard to imagine any of us intentionally practicing slander in the church. I suppose it happens, but here's the thing. Proverbs kind of gives us a little bit, a bigger idea of what slander is. Listen to Proverbs 11:13. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. So slander in Proverbs is not just about spreading false information about somebody. It's about spreading somebody's secrets around some uh, around to others so someone tells you something and they say those words hey i don't want anybody to repeat this and you hear it and then you go and repeat it that is slander proverbs 26 20 to 21 calls slander and gossip the fuel for the fires of dissension it just stirs up strife so it's wise to keep a confidence because you never know who that other person, you know, that you tell it to, what they're going to do with that information. And if you keep a, keep a confidence, it'll keep you out of that, out of that moment when the secret becomes public and the person who originally told you comes back and they say, hey, I told you not to say anything. Do you know that moment? It, it happens, doesn't it? Flattery. Is, is the last one, flattery. Uh, Proverbs 26, 28 says, A lying tongue hates its victims, and flattering words cause ruin. So flattery happens when uh, words of praise and adulation and respect are being spoken to someone, Okay, but it's 
uh, to get that someone to do something. Um, even if it's just to get them to like you or to get them on your side. Okay, so the, the words of praise and adulation and respect are really not for the person. Therefore, the one who's speaking them, trying to get them to do something. Proverbs 26, 24 says, People may cover their hatred with pleasant words, but they're deceiving you. And so, um, Pastor Shane and I like to call flattery sunshine. You know, coming at your face. So, if there's too... Here's the warning. If there's too much sunshine coming at you from the mouth, be careful not to get sunburned. Alright? Tweet that one. That one's worth tweeting. Uh, I don't have time to cover the rest of them. Thoughtless words, evil words, fighting words, self-exalting words, uh, and the amount of words. All of those things come under condemned speech in Proverbs. All things we should avoid. Now, the other side of the coin is commended words. Uh, And Proverbs tells us these are words that we should be saying. We're encouraged to say, you can't say enough of these words. So Proverbs 4.4 says, gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. You know, I was thinking, I, I have never had anything good come from a time when I spoke harsh words. Not, not anything. I couldn't think of anything. All I do with harsh words is I create messes that cannot be cleaned up. And you know, even today, I live with consequences from words that I've spoken in the past that were harsh. And it's things that I just, I just can't clean up. Harsh words, they take away life. Now sometimes, um, you've got heavy words to speak to somebody. So heavy words are not harsh words, but they feel harsh. Okay, so it doesn't matter how gently you speak heavy words, they're going to be received um, as hard to hear. I remember uh, years ago at a men's promise keeper conference, they were teaching us a lesson, us husbands a lesson. There's about 60,000 guys in a football stadium somewhere. I don't remember if it was Atlanta or Indianapolis. But the speaker said, hey, all you guys, take a hair out of your head and hold it up and drop it to the ground. And we all did that. And then they said... Take a shoe off your, you know, take your shoe off, hold it up in the air, everybody at the same time, and drop the shoe. Now, when we dropped the hair, you heard nothing. Totally quiet. But when we all dropped the shoe, 60,000 shoes hitting the ground at the same time, it made this deafening noise. It was rather remarkable. And then the speaker said, hey guys, when you're, when you think you're dropping a hair on your wife, Sometimes she's going to feel like that's a shoe. So that you can't be too gentle with the words that you use. Gentle words bring life. Harsh words steal it. Just ask my children. Proverbs 16:24. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. Now, kindness is different than niceness. Okay, so nice words, everybody uses nice words. Mean people use nice words. Good morning. How are you today? Uh, hey, I hope you have a good day. God bless you. Thank you. You know, these, these words are nice words. Now, kindness goes beyond niceness. 
kindness is customized niceness. It has to, it has to, it has to do with the person that it, it, the kindness is being directed to. Okay, so here's an example. Uh, Lucy and I were at Cracker Barrel recently having breakfast. We were enjoying pancakes and bacon, just having a great conversation. And this woman, she was leaving, and she walked by our table, and she stopped. And she said, I am sorry to interrupt. And then she turned to Lucy. She said, I just want to tell you how beautiful you are. Your hair is beautiful. The Lord has got great plans for you. Now, you would have thought somebody had shown a light bulb out loose because she was just glowing, you know. And she was looking at her and she smiled and she said, well, thank you. And I wanted to stand up and crack her and say, that's my daughter. That's the beautiful one. She's got the, you know, awesome hair. <laughs> kind words bring life. Truthful words, fitting words, gracious words, pure, all commended kinds of speech in Proverbs. Now, you'll get somewhere... If you keep this in mind, keep condemned, and you write these lists down, you keep these things in mind, you go home, okay, I don't want to say these, I want to say say these, you keep that in mind, you will get somewhere, you'll get better at the content that's coming out of your mouth, if you if you think about it. Um, But the thing is, if you wanna, if you want the content to get better that's coming out of your out of your mouth without thinking about it, then you gotta look a little deeper than the tongue. You gotta go down and look. At the heart. Because Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In Proverbs 15, 7, it says, The lips of the wise give good advice. The heart of a fool has none to give. So the lips and the heart are related there. So the two are related. So what goes on down in here tends to come out up here. So if you find yourself saying uh, words that you should not be saying, um, then the secret is to say, what's going on down in here that's causing these words to come out of my mouth? So is there hurt there that causes harsh words to come out of your mouth? Is there insecurity here that causes you to use flattery with people to get them to like you? Is there sin down here that is trying to be covered up with dishonest speech? Is there fear down in here that's causing you to say whatever you think people want to hear, whether it's true or not? Is there jealousy in here that tempts you to slander people who you're envious of? What's going on down in here? Because I'll tell you, whatever's going on down in here, no matter what it is, no matter what mess it is, Jesus has the answer. Jesus has the answer. There is healing for your hurt. There's healing for your hurt. There's forgiveness for your sin. There's love for your insecurity. There's faith for your fear. Really, there really is. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else... Guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. So if you want to see yourself using the wisdom of Proverbs for the content of your words, 
take a look at what's going on down in your heart. And let Jesus in to that room where the hurt is, or where the fear is, or the insecurity, or the sin. Let him into that room and do what only he can do. He has the answer. Now, a little bit more, a little bit more wisdom here uh, from Proverbs. There's wisdom from the consequences of our words. So when we look at what happens as a result of the words that we have spoken, of the, of, the, of the words leaving our mouth, if we look at what happens before they leave our mouth, then that will help us decide whether or not they should leave our mouth at all. Okay, so it's think before you speak. Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So there's power in your words. To either stir up anger or to diffuse it, to, to put it out. And that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. I mean, if you think about it. You know, police are schooled in the art of de-escalating someone. You know, they, that's where they use their words uh, to talk somebody down from their anger and frustration. Now, sadly, some policemen, they don't use their words and things go badly. Um, And sadly, sometimes they do and things still go badly. But you know what? More often than not, de-escalating someone with their words works. Police use their words instead of their weapons to defuse a situation. We just don't hear about that. It's Proverbs 15.1 in action. So they show a little respect. They validate somebody. I can see that you're angry. They try to get somebody to have a conversation instead of shooting off fireworks. So it's, it's pretty, pretty amazing what they can do. Proverbs 12.25 says, Worry weighs a person down. An encouraging word cheers a person up. You know, mom and dad, they're on their way back from Florida uh, today, uh, a few days earlier than they had planned, thanks to Hurricane Dorian. Um, and dad had sent me a message and he said, you know, it's a miracle that we got our flight changed and that we were able to fill the car up with gas because there's kind of hysteria going on down in South Florida. He says the news, the news coverage, all the news coverage about the storm has people running scared. They're running to the grocery store, all the water's gone. They're running to the gas station, filling up all their cans, filling up their cars with gas. And so it's causing all this worry. And I thought at the time, I thought, you know, they need to hear some encouraging words down in South Florida to kind of calm them down and say, hey, everything's going to be okay. And I would imagine that now they're feeling that way as that storm looks like it's going to be heading up the coast and everybody in South Carolina is running to the grocery store and running to the gas station right now. But isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing that our words can cause worry or can relieve it? You know, Proverbs 18 20 to 21 says, Wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Now, I think you can read that as saying those who love to talk, talk a lot, and they're going to reap the consequences of that. But you know what? We all talk, whether we love it or not. We all talk. And so the question is, what are the consequences that you are going to? to reap from the words that you're using. If we can stop and we can think about what we're saying before we say it, where there's wisdom to glean from our consequences. Uh, is this going to help somebody? Is this word necessary? 
Is this word going to diffuse anger or is it going to make it worse? So we want to think before we speak. Because there's wisdom to glean from these consequences that Proverbs tells us about. We, we truly do have the power of life and death in our tongue. I read this little ditty last, this last week. If your lips would keep from slips, five things observe with care. To whom you speak, of whom you speak, and how and when and where. Context, content, consequences. So now, you've got wisdom for your words. So now, you're good, right? Everything, everything's perfect. I mean, we're going to go out. We're going to practice what Solomon's told us here about where to speak and when to speak. We're going to stay away from the condemned words. We're going to be speaking the commended words all the time. We're going to be gentle, gracious, pure, and righteous. I mean, we're going to think before we speak and these, think about the consequences to let us know should we speak at all. We got the Holy Spirit inside of us to help us know all this stuff, right? We've got it. What could go wrong? This, the tongue, because you know James says you you cannot tame, you cannot tame the tongue. Now I encourage you go out, practice the wisdom uh, for your words from Proverbs, context, content, consequences. Get it all. We need it all. It's how God wants us to live. But inevitably, inevitably, maybe even today, you know what's going to happen. This, you're going to make a mess with your words. This is why we need Jesus. This right here. If we could get it right, he wouldn't have had to die for our wrongs. If we could just get it right. But we can't. So we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper before we go. You know that time that we gather to remember how Jesus gave his life for us with the bread and the cup. People of God. I was thinking about him when he walked among us. You know... Every word that came out of Jesus' mouth was perfect and pure and righteous and truthful, gracious, gentle. Never one time in his life did Jesus speak a condemned word from the book of Proverbs. And you know, he said that the reason he came was to seek and to save the lost. Jesus said that. And Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And he said, In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. And Jesus said, This is eternal life. That they would know you, the only living God, and His Son, whom He sent. 
when Jesus hung on the cross, paying that penalty for the forgiveness of the sin of mankind, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. When he appeared to the disciples after he rose from the grave, in that room that they were all hiding in, and Thomas was there that time, who had doubted that Jesus was alive. And Jesus said, hey, Thomas, put your hand here. Put your hand here. And Thomas said, Lord, I believe. And Jesus said, you believe because you have seen. But blessed will be those who believe who have not seen. Is that you today? Are you one of the ones that has believed in Jesus without ever setting eyes on Him before? You know, where you ask Him, come into your life to forgive you of your sin, to clean up your messes. Is that you? See, you might hear this message today. Wisdom for your words and think, i got to do better. I'm not measuring up. i got to work harder at this word thing or God's not going to accept me. And that's where we got to realize that we can never be good enough to be accepted by God. And he says, the Bible says, the way to be accepted is by believing. Believing in His Son. And what he did for us. So listen, if you're here this morning and you're tired of trying to measure up, come to Jesus. If you are here this morning and you're sick of carrying a weight of guilt over your sin, come to Jesus. If you are here and you're weary of trying to lead your own life, Come to Jesus. Come to Him. Ask Him to come into your life knowing what it looks like. Ask Him for forgiveness for the messes. And then trust Him. Trust Him for the next word, for the next step, for your future home. Trust Him. That's what you can do today. If you want to do that today, you're welcome to come up to this altar. And when the Jesus people come, they're going to come and they're going to get a bread and a cup and they're going to kneel here. They're going to go back to their seats. If you want to do that today, if you want to trust Christ, you're welcome to come and do that right up here. I promise you, if you just take the bread, take the cup, sit there before you eat it. Talk to Him. Just talk to Him. Talk to Him like a little child. And say, I believe in you. I believe that what you did there was for me. Forgive me. Make me new. Walk with me. Promise if you do that, that burden of guilt is going to be lifted and there will be rest for your weary heart and there will be a family, new family that will love you no matter what. Let's pray. I mean, this is what the Lord Himself has said about His table. 
and I have passed it on to you before. That on the night when Judas betrayed him, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks to God for it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take this and eat it. This is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new agreement between God and you that has been established and set in motion by my blood. Do this in remembrance of me whenever you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are retelling the message of the Lord's death, and he has died for you. Do this until he comes again. Lord, as we come to your table this morning to to celebrate and remember Uh, Your great sacrifice of love for us. Your power over the grave that brings hope to each one of us for life everlasting with you. We are um, pretty mindful this morning of our need after hearing about words. So Lord, as we come, give us grateful hearts for what you've done to, to make us acceptable to your Father. And as we go today, we pray. And that we'd be walking full of the Spirit in step with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.